The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Christ the King. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Penny, and I'm the senior pastor here in uh, friends, it is great to be with you. Um, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn in it to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 18. Um, you can also put your finger in Hebrews chapter 1. Um, if you're looking for Deuteronomy, it's the fifth book of the Bible, so it's uh, right at the beginning, uh, not too hard to find. And if you've been with us for the last number of weeks, if you've been with us during the fall, then you know we've been in the book of Romans during the fall. And last week we saw, uh, we looked at the first half of Romans chapter 6. Well, we're putting a pin in that for now. Uh, we are coming back to it uh, sometime uh, in February. We'll we will return to Romans. Um, but, but for the next few weeks, we're going to be spending some time uh, looking at some various passages throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testaments. And that's because uh, we are in the season of Advent. So this is the season in which uh, over the course of church history and uh, over time that the church has paused to consider the coming of Jesus. That's what Advent is. It's his coming, his uh, taking on flesh and dwelling amongst us. That's what we uh, consider, we take up time and think about. And so in uh, years past, we've looked at passages like his birth narratives in Matthew and Luke, or we've looked at predictive texts from the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. And this year, what we're going to do is we're going to take up uh, passages that talk about Jesus being our prophet, priest, and king. So in the Old Testament, there were three offices that were, uh, that were held to lead God's people, the offices of prophet, priest, and king. And, and Jesus is the fulfillment of each one of those. And so each week, we're going to look at a different one. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, um, but Advent's four weeks, I only named three. Uh, don't worry, we have something planned for that week as well. Uh, we, we're not taking a Sunday off. Uh, we will meet, and instead of looking at prophet, priest, and king, we will look at Jesus being the new man. Because he being the new man, the, the true man, is really a, an encapsulation of all three of those offices. And so we're doing prophet, priest, king, new man. And this morning, we begin by looking at Christ, our prophet, and we do so by turning to Deuteronomy 18. So if you have your Bibles open, you can follow along and we'll project the passage in front of you. Moses writes this. <clears throat> the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the day your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has, spoke, has not spoken? 
when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Now skip ahead to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 will also project this passage. The author of Hebrews writes, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we ask that you would uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us to see and hear clearly your truth. And that we would, in hearing it, cling to it and hold fast to it. And so we ask that you would help us now, that you would help me so that my words would give you honor and glory. We ask that you would help us all so that we would be attentive to your word and we would walk with you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Two in three individuals have used the silent treatment against someone else. And even more have done it have had it done to them. These are the words of the researcher Kipling Williams, who for over 36 years studied the effects of silent treatment. The effects that it has on the people who receive silent treatment and the effects that it has on those who who engage in the act of silent treatment. Y'all know what silent treatment is. You've experienced it. If his stats are right, every or almost every one of us has experienced it. We've either been the perpetrator of it or we've received it, right? It's, it's when there's a rift between siblings or a dispute between neighbors or an argument between spouses. And as a way to inflict punishment on one of them, one of the parties goes completely silent. They avert their eyes when paths are crossed. They pretend not to hear the other's voice and in silence they stew. Now, if you've ever had someone uh, pull the silent treatment on you, you know the feelings of worry and anxiety and fear that build up in our hearts and our minds, right? We start to wonder, what have I done? What have I done? Why are they mad? Is this relationship over? The silence, their silence, acts like a weight on our shoulders that we cannot remove ourselves. We know what this is like. I wonder if God's people along the way thought that God was giving them the silent treatment. You know, by the time the New Testament came around, there had been many, many years of God's people not hearing the word of God. The the prophets had gone silent. In this period of time, this intertestamental period, this few hundred of years between the Old and the New Testaments, God's word had seemingly stopped. The prophets were no longer speaking. There were no longer prophets being raised up. In fact, some of the intertestamental literature that we have, the extra-biblical literature, acknowledges that the people were aware that they were living in a time of prophetic cessation, that the prophetic word had ceased. 
In fact, it had stopped for so long and, and they were so aware of it that when John the Baptist came on the scene, you remember John the Baptist, he came on the scene and he was wearing camel's hair and eating locusts with honey and he was a little strange and he started proclaiming that, that people were to repent and, and turn because the kingdom of God was at hand. You remember when he showed up, the priests and the Levites, they actually went out to him. The leaders of the religious people, the, the leaders of God's people, they went out and they said, who are you? Are you the prophet? Are you the one that we are waiting for? You see, they were longing for silence to end. They were, they were longing for a word from a prophet. And they weren't just longing for it. They weren't just hoping for it. They weren't just looking forward to it. They expected it. They expected a word from a prophet because in Deuteronomy 18, we're told that the word of the prophet would come. That's what we're told. You see, Deuteronomy 18 is telling us about this prophetic word. We hear it in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. So we see in this passage, God is promising that his word would not end with Moses. And this was important because you remember Deuteronomy was being written to God's people as they're about to enter into the promised land. They're about to take possession of the land that God was going to give them. But Moses wasn't coming, remember? Moses was disciplined by God and his discipline was that he would only get to see the land but not enter in. But even though Moses wasn't going with them, God's word would that there would be those who would be raised up who would speak God's word to his people. The prophetic word would continue. And that's what we see occurring throughout the Old Testament. Right? Prophets being raised up. Verse 18 tells us that God's word would be put into the mouth of the prophet and he would speak to God's people. And so we see people like Elijah and Elisha speaking God's word. We see the writing prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and others calling God's people to repentance and speaking words of truth and directing the people to follow the Lord. What we see is the Old Testament prophet standing between God and man and mediating God's word as his authorized spokesman. Now this word that the prophet would speak, it would be confirmed by it coming to pass. That's what we see in verses 21 through 22. If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So what Moses is telling God's people is that as these prophets would arise, that there would also be false prophets who would say the very opposite of what God intended. And the way that they would tell whether there were false or true prophets was if the prophecy came to pass. Now, this was good because they needed this warning. They needed this way of determining a true or false prophet because false prophets did arise. And by the way, there, there are still false prophets today. Uh, uh, that's another sermon, but, uh, but you don't have to look very far on the internet to, to find them. But, but there were false prophets that arose in Israel. For instance, in Jeremiah 28, there was a prophet named Hananiah who came and declared that in two years, God would destroy the king of Babylon. 
Now, if you're familiar with Jeremiah, or, or maybe even not with Jeremiah, but just redemptive history and the history of Israel, you know that that didn't happen. That the exact opposite happened. That in two years, God didn't destroy the king of Babylon. No, actually, in 10 years, Babylon sacked Jerusalem. Hananiah was shown to be a false prophet because the word that was spoken did not come to pass. And so what we actually see is that the fulfillment of prophecy was God's way of saying, I approve this message, that it's mine, that it's true. And so since the prophetic, the prophet would speak God's word and that word would be confirmed, the people were to look to the prophet to receive God's word and his direction and leading. Okay, that was the Old Testament prophet. But Deuteronomy 18 isn't just talking about the Old Testament prophet. The Deuteronomy 18 has a specific prophet in view. As I said before, there came a time in the history of God's people where it seemed like God's word had gone silent, when the pro prophetic word had seemingly ceased. Right? Elijah and Elisha, Hosea and Jeremiah and all the others, they had died. And yet the promise remained. Deuteronomy 18, spoken through the prophet Moses, promised that one would come who would be raised up by God to speak the word of God. And that one isn't Elijah, and it isn't Jeremiah, and it isn't Isaiah, and it's not John the Baptist. Remember when they came and said, are you the prophet? What did John say? He said, no, I'm not the one you're looking for. I'm just making the way for him. There is a greater one to come. Right? The prophet wasn't John. The prophet of Deuteronomy 18 is Jesus. He is the prophet who has come. That's what Hebrews 1 tells us. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. You see, what Hebrews is telling us is that God did not go silent, that he is spoken by his son, that Jesus is a prophet like Moses, who speaks the very word of God. In fact, that's what Jesus himself said. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. You see, Jesus speaks the word of the Father like the prophets of old. Jesus is like Moses. But Jesus is actually different than Moses because he's greater than Moses. He's greater than Moses because Jesus doesn't just speak the very word of God. Jesus is the word of God. That's what we're told in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, out of the silence came the Word. Jesus is the embodiment of God's prophetic message because Jesus is what God says to his people. He is the prophet par excellence, the greatest prophet, always speaking God's Word. Now, it's at this point where maybe some of you are starting to wonder and think, well, that's all well and good. There were prophets who spoke the word a long time ago, and then Jesus spoke the word, well, a long time ago. But what about now? 
Like, what about today? Where's our prophetic word, right? I mean, because we need to hear the word of the Lord as well, don't we? Maybe some of us are starting to wonder, are we in a period, a second period of silence? Okay, God didn't give them the silent treatment, but is he giving us it? It'd be easy to ask that question, right? It's easy to ask that. It's easy to imagine that we might be thinking that because every one of us at one time or another have asked and said, God, God, would you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Right? Like, God, just speak to me. Write in the clouds or part the clouds and let the sun shine through and let me hear that audible voice that says what I'm supposed to do. Right? I mean, you've thought that, right? Of course you have. (laughs) And so have I. So have I, right? In those times when we wonder, are we supposed to move or take that job or, or enter into that relationship or, or is it time to get married? Is it, is it time to start having children? Is it time to stop having children? Is, is this the college where I'm wanting to attend and I'm supposed to go to? And, and the list goes on and on and on, right? Like we've wondered these things and we've wrestled over them and all we want is God to speak to us in a deep and booming, clear voice. Stay or move or wait, but whatever, just speak, right? And the clouds didn't part. And we didn't hear James Earl Jones, right, speaking to us. No, we never heard his voice. Not audibly. And so we wonder, is he silent? Is God giving us the silent treatment? Well, no, God hasn't gone silent. Because what God has done is he has given us the final word. The final word. Kids, I know that sometimes maybe that's what your dad or mom will say to you. Like, I have told you this, and this is the last time I'm telling you, and it feels really harsh. That is not God. He has his final word, but his final word is his son. It is his son. And his son has given us this word. This word, the Bible, is the word of the Son given to us. The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that Christ executes the office of a prophet in revealing to us by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. Did you hear it? He executes the office of a prophet by revealing by his word and his spirit the will of God for our salvation. And so what that means is, friends, we don't have to ask God to open up the heavens and speak because he already has. He has spoken through his son and given us his word in the Bible. He has spoken. And so the question that we need to ask, or, or the question we need to ask is, how do we respond to this word that has been spoken? Well, how we respond is by listening. We listen to this prophet. That's what Deuteronomy 18 says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And why should we listen to him? Because he has the words of life. That's what Peter says in John 6. You remember early in Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, he, he garnered a pretty big following. 
people started coming out of the woodworks, right? They wanted to follow him and they wanted to see what next he was going to do, right? Like miracles and feedings and, and raising people to, from the dead or, or uh, healing them of their diseases. And they, they wanted to hear his words. But, but after a little while, some of the people, they left, right? Maybe Jesus hadn't performed a miracle in 24 or 48 hours, or he said something that they were confused by, and so instead of asking, instead of continuing to follow, they just left. And in seeing all these people leave, do you remember Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to them, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to follow? And Peter responded, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You have the word of life. You see, Christ has the words of eternal life. And so we need to ask, are we listening to him? We need to ask, who are you listening to? What are the words that we are holding on to? I mean, think about the words that we hear in our world. Words that tell us that we should be afraid and stir our worries. Right? I mean, mean, we hear that all the time, we should be afraid. In fact, that's the easiest way to garner a following. Tell people that they should be afraid of something, stir their fears, and then tell them that you're the one who can protect them from that fear. It happens all the time, right? That's how politicians and leaders, that's how they garner a following. Be afraid. That's what we hear. But it's not just the words of our world. What about the the words of our flesh? The words that that speak in our heart. Words that try and convince us that that we're alone. And no one loves us. No one cares about us. Words that we're unforgivable. Don't tell anyone about that sin. Don't tell anyone about that struggle because they will shun you and turn away from you. Hide it. Words that say we're not loved, we're not forgivable. Right? Those are the words of our flesh. And yet through the noise of those words, friends, we must learn to hear God's word. Through the noise of of the words of this world, we need to hear God's voice. Did you know that researchers have found that a child in the womb is able to distinguish and recognize its mother's voice from other voices? So even before the child is born and and has seen its mother and been held by her, this child, he or she, is able to distinguish her voice from all the others. Well, what about us? Can we distinguish the father's voice from all the others? Can we distinguish the prophet's voice from all the others? Do we hear God's word louder than the voices of the world and the flesh? In John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. They hear my voice and they follow me. And so friends, are you listening to God's word? Are you holding on to what Jesus, the great prophet, says? And this is what he says. He says to us that if you are trusting in him and resting in his work on the cross, he calls you his friend. That's what he says to you. He calls you his friend. 
He says to you that you are beloved. He says that you are part of the family of God. That you are no longer an orphan, but you are a son and daughter of the Father. That's what he says. His word tells us to repent of our sin and to turn to his grace and to walk in his ways. The word of God tells us that Christ our prophet has given his life so that we would be forgiven. That all of our sins would be forgiven. And that we need not fear. And that he doesn't leave us nor forsake us. Those are the words of the prophet. Those are the words that he says to us. Those are different than the words of our world and of our flesh. That's what he says to you and to me. And so we need to ask, are we listening? Are we listening because, friends, God hasn't gone silent? He has spoken by Christ, the great prophet. And so we must listen to him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken, that the word has come, that Christ, our great prophet, has taken on flesh and he has dwelt amongst us and he has spoken words of truth and grace. And so we pray that we would hear his voice, that we would cling to his word, and that we would obey you and follow you. Father, help us to, to put aside the voices and the noises and the words of our world and our flesh. And instead, let us hear clearly the word of the prophet, the word of Jesus, our God and our King. Help us to hold to his word, and we pray all this in his name. And God's people said together, amen.